0: Today is in fact a special day. We've already seen the Spirit of the Lord moving, healing, stirring our souls. Today, Pastor Matt and I get the distinct privilege and honor of speaking uh, alongside of Elder Charlie. This this is a special thing. Y'all don't know how excited I am about it. This is pretty great. Today, on March 4th, 2018, the title of our message is Femininity and Heart-Turning Superpowers. Femininity and heart-turning superpowers. Now, I can tell by your response that that, that this is, in fact, not a joke today. We're actually going to do this. I know we are a very uh, masculine, uh, a holy masculinity-centered church. We're not ashamed of that. We'll talk about that more here in a second. But today, we're not talking about feminism, which is a usurping of God's right order of things. We're talking about femininity and how to have heart turning superpowers in our ladies. Amen. Come on, who are the ladies here in the house? Come on, raise your hand for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah you were a little afraid We there. can it's hear okay. y'all, come
1: on, say it. <laughs> raise your hands and we'll whoop, whoop again. That's what I'm looking for.
0: We're gonna clarify, we're gonna define, we're gonna elucidate, we're gonna talk about a few things of what it means in the true measure of a woman. For you who here are single, all our single ladies who are in the house, you should hear this message today and let it put you on a pathway Towards what you should be, in fact. For the single men, this is going to help define who, in fact, you should be pursuing. Come on now. Says the guy, who the the most newly married guy in the church was like, yes. That's a good thing to know. For the married here, you should be hearing the standard that you must rise to and that you will, in fact, be measured against. My God, how many of us in here, male and female, Anybody had a tough week this week? I'm going to go ahead and leave my hand up. Not just because I'm inviting you. I'm just actually answering my own question. Anybody felt like uh, you shouldn't, you know, like God picked the wrong person for the job that he's asked you to do? Yeah, this guy did have one of those kind of weeks. What we're not going to do, women, our, our goal today is to encourage you. We're going to encourage you that this is what we're going to try to simplify That all the magazine covers and all the TV ads and all the things that are out there that are trying to tell you what you should be and the measure of a woman. We're going to show you through the scripture what in fact it's like for you here in a a church like ours in a day like today. You are an important part of what God is doing. For the men in the room, you should be hearing the goal of of the reason why you're raising your sons the way that you are and the goal of raising your daughters. This is giving us a standard that we get to look at. Last week, we talked about patriarchal powers and toxic masculinity.
1: Good word.
0: Man, it was a good word. If you haven't listened to it, if you've already forgotten it, if I said that and you went, oh, yeah, that was Elder Baj and Eric. If you can't remember any of the seven things that they presented from Chronicles, might be something you should listen to again. On Monday. On Monday night. That's a good. One. We are trying to encourage you guys with things. We're not we're not just doing this because we feel the need to speak. The Lord is being faithful to us to give us exactly what we need. Amen. Amen.
1: You know, we focus our teaching on the first responsibility that every household has, and that is that the father of the house be in right order. Yeah. Right? So we preach a lot about and teach a lot about male leadership, and we should. We, when we get the men to take the lead properly, and shalom is established, each member of the home will reap the blessings of heaven. Amen. When dad is right, the household is right. Amen. Today we're going to talk about our easers, our easy easers. <laughs> easers is a Hebrew word of saying helper, meaning our wives. Ladies, do you want to be treasured? Yes. Yeah. Do you all want to be cherished? Oh, uh, not everyone is yeah, speaking. Y'all being a, a bit it. of light this morning. <laughs> women, do y'all want to be valued? Because yes. if you don't say yes, you're saying no. Do you want to be exclusive? Yes. Yes. Come on. And most importantly, do you want to be necessary? Yes. It's right that we focus, especially after patriarchal powers, that we focus on the necessity for women to use a superpower that God has gifted them with.
2: Yes, uh, y- we've been we've been able to f- focus on uh, our families. We've been able to focus on the uh, leadership in the in the home uh, for the man to step up to his godly masculinity, well, his amen. relationship. Yeah. Right, yeah. last week, yeah, and and in, in, in the past. He's demanding our sacrifice daily. Amen. Amen. That's just not men and women. That's all of us, right? Yes. yes. He's building our families, our pillars. He's building a house. And his house will be filled with those who overcome. Amen. 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 Yeah. <clears throat> and we're going to move into, I want to speak about Solomon. we kind of left off to of that. You guys can turn to First Kings 11. We kind of left off with that, with Brother Baj and, and and Pastor Eric. That Solomon was left with the the obligation and the call to fulfill his father's vision.
0: Yeah,
2: you know I, 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 I've been serving God a long time. We don't need to go there, <laughs> but. <laughs> But I had a preacher years and years ago, he says, that if your vision is only large enough for you to fulfill in your lifetime, then your vision is too small.
0: Come on, that's we don't
2: have that problem here at LCM. <laughs> As a matter of fact, we don't know how many generations we're shooting for. Amen. <laughs> but <clears throat> David and Solomon didn't have that problem either. And... uh he was not only the son, Solomon was not only the son of a king. He's a picture of the millennium reign. He lived in his, his wealth and his uh, peace that we will in the millennium. Yeah. Yeah. His heart, <clears throat> he ha- has a heart for the Lord, and God re- rewards him for what he asked for. Now, he didn't, he didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for uh, power. He only asked for the wisdom to lead the people of God according to the will of God. So because of that, God gave him riches. He gave him great discernment. Actually, he was the greatest king and the wealthiest king that there ever were at that time. But yet he had a (laughs) shortcoming. And um, as we look in... First Kings, eleven verse
0: one. There. There.
2: there it says, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, the Moabites, the Amorites, the Sidonians. I used another word earlier today, <laughs> the Hittites, <clears throat> <laughs> and they were from nations <clears throat> which the Lord had told the Israelites. You must not. Okay? Whenever you see that must not, what does that mean? Yeah, it
0: means you must not. Yeah. You must so. not.
2: You must not intermarry because they will surely turn your hearts to their gods.
0: Yeah.
2: Nevertheless. Sure thing. Solomon uh, held fast to the love to, to love them. And he had listen to this now. 700 wives and 300 <laughs> concubines. Wow. Now I can't
0: imagine. Made me tired. <laughs> <laughs> I can't
2: imagine 700 women in one room.
0: <laughs>
2: Much less under my roof. Okay? <clears throat> so.
0: <clears throat> Come on, y'all know it's true. <laughs>
2: As Solomon grew old, his wife turned his heart after their gods. Wow! And listen now, it says, it says Solomon grew old. That tells you more than one thing here. Older men don't have any business marrying a younger woman. Okay? <laughs> <that's your> <laughs> they turn you. <laughs> they turn. <laughs> he turned his heart toward other gods. Uh, and he was fully okay. He turned his heart to other gods and. His heart was not fully mm-hmm. devoted to the Lord wow. as the heart of his, David, his father, had been. Now, it wasn't his intelligence, his great wisdom, nor his riches that, that held him true to the course that God called for. Him. Wow. None of that helps. That's, that's the worldly things. But I ask you, what's more important How you start or how you finish the race? Exactly. In Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 7, verse 3. It says, do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your hearts. Turn your heart, your son's heart, away from following and serving to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. Wow. And this doesn't last for just one generation.
0: That's right.
2: This doesn't last just your lifetime. These decisions follow you. So, without question, men are called to be the leaders of their home. But the power of that woman, the woman that possesses the ability to turn the heart of their husbands either toward righteousness or toward rebellion. So I'll say
1: it with me, church. Say a heart-turning-turning heart turning turning superpower. Superpower. together. heart-turning superpower.
0: Heart-turning heart turning
1: superpower. superpower. You know, there are women, many women throughout the scriptures that are examples of turning the hearts of men away from the living God. Let's take a look at one of the most infamous examples in history. Jezebel. That's right. Go boo. boo. That's right. First Kings chapter 16. We'll pick up in verse 30. There.
0: there. there. <clears throat> Come on now. Don't forget. You've got a an elder here who's raised daughters. You've got a pastor who's raising a house full of daughters. You've got another pastor who's raising a couple of daughters. This is a, These are important topics for us. These are things that we're searching the scripture about, that we're learning from Charlie, who's already raised daughters. This, this is a word for us today. I know we're so used to talking about the men in the room. We're spo- we're, and we're going to keep doing that, by the way. Even today, if you think you're a man and you're off the hook because we're talking about femininity and other heart-turning superpowers, you're completely wrong. You know we're going to get to you too. But we are trying to encourage every single human being in this place with what the Lord is sharing with us for you. Amen?
1: You know, we thought it important that we build on the excellent teaching that Pastor Eric and Elder Bosch gave last week. Amen. And where they concluded was Solomon... Uh, finishing or completing the promises that were originally given to David. They have this transitional ministry. Like Elder Charlie said, how big is your vision? Is it limited to just you or does it expand generations to come? The answer in our hearts as men should be the vision that God has birthed within us should take as many generations as need be to accomplish that vision. That's right. If we limit it, therefore we're limiting God. So men, as you're sitting here and we start going through... (coughs) the next phase of this in Jezebel, what I want you to pay attention to are the, the attributes that she uh, possesses and relate it back to what we just read about Solomon. In the pinnacle, the height of Israel's history, the greatest king that ever existed, the most wisest man on planet earth and most wealthiest, what was he taken down by? Foreign wives. Now, women have this power and ability to, To turn the hearts of men. And particularly. Let's pick up here with Ahab. 1 Kings 16 verse
2: 30.
1: (coughs) Ahab son of Omri did more evil in the eyes of the Lord. Than any of those before him. Men. Do you want this to be the epitaph. On your tombstone. No not at all. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam son of Nebat. Wow. But he also married Jezebel daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. Wow. When did his adultery against God begin? When he married into Baal worship. Now, here in America, we don't necessarily have Shrines, altars, and and, uh, idols on every corner. It's not like in India where we go, and just to rent a hall, uh, you're going to have to deal with idols sitting in the corners of the buildings up on the roof. But we are saturated with idolatry. Marriages that occur for the sake of mutual benefit For the husband's sake, it's apathy and abdication of his leadership. And for the woman, it is taking possession of a man's authority in order that both could worship the idols that exist. You know, Ahab married the enemy of God. He married into Baal worship. And the result is that he was the worst king of all Israel's history. And the defining factor was the heart-turning superpower that Jezebel had. You know, this superpower is something that God designed women to possess, but when infiltrated with sin and rebellion against God, it turns men away from the Lord and gives them a name that is infamous with being absent from the righteousness of God. Wow. Now, Nowadays, we have a certain phrase that we say. That's a Jezebel spirit, right? So in that mind, go to Revelation chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 20. There, there. Because this, this spirit of animosity against God's given structure of the way that a man and woman should operate has been around a long time. Revelation 2.20. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. Wow. Who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual morality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality. But she is unwilling. You know In this passage, it highlights some characteristics. And ladies, I want you to measure your heart in this manner. Though your name not be Jezebel, does your heart operate in an attitude of Jezebel? You know, the first thing that I saw in Revelation 2.20 is that she was self-exalting. She called herself a prophetess. She called herself into ministry. God didn't. As a result, she was giving herself prominence and authority that then she began to teach and teach falsely. And as a result, that led to misleading the servants of God. She had heart-turning superpower, but in the wrong direction. Wow! Well, say it with me. Heart-turning superpower. Heart-turning superpower. <laughs> you know, this got my mind wondering that there's an English word that we have called manipulate. I said forever that that was uh, a tool that women use because it starts with the word man. <laughs> but it has a much different origin. Watch it from dictionary.com is where I got this. It's easy. You can go look it up after we uh, finish the service or you can see it right here on the screen. So the first declaration or, or definition of manipulation is it's a method of digging ore. Skip further down in the, the Latin sense, it's two words meaning from the hand and to fill, or a sense of skillful handling of others. Skillful handling. That there is a a puppeteering that occurs. Right? You never see the puppeteer, he's up above, all you see are the movements of what he's controlling. Well, this kind of reflected on something else. Don't turn there, but put on the screen, Psalm 105, verse 17. Men, as we cover this particular subject, I want you to be aware of the effects of tolerating a Jezebel spirit. And he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons. Till what he foretold came to pass. We've taught many times here within our our body and from this pulpit and foundations that this phrase his neck was put in irons is more accurately seen as iron was being infused into his soul. You know what manipulation does? Manipulation digs out the iron in a man's soul. Wow. Let me say it again. Say it again. Manipulation, ladies digs out the confidence that God has instilled inside your man. It removes from him the ability to discern what God's will is. If you are constantly working behind the scenes, deceiving him, skillful working of your hands in order to get him to produce the result that you want him to. You know, this comes in a lot of very palatable and easy phrases that are are, they seem harmless right so we hear this phrase i was just trying to help i was i was just trying to help you i'm sure jezebel grew up learning how to skillfully use that phrase i was just trying to help when they bought vineyard ahab you wanted it i set it up to where we falsely accused them and then put them to death and now here's your vineyard you know, there's a lot that can be said about just an effort to help. It really reveals that there's ulterior motives.
0: Yeah, the whole idea of ulterior motives, you guys, ulterior, you've got something that's hidden. It's a hidden motive. Sometimes it could be hidden to you. Sometimes, for the late, come on, anybody ever been uh, insecure about something in the room? Anybody ever been fearful about it, but really the way that you worked it with your boyfriend, husband, father, was you didn't say, man, I'm afraid that this is going to happen. I'm afraid that you are not listening to me. I am afraid. But what, what happens is, um, I'm going to make a suggestion. I'm going to try to help you. I mean, all I'm trying to do is help you, husband. I mean, why are you getting so upset? Maybe because there's something afoot that has the men in this room. Come on, let's, let's get down to it for a second. Let me, let me, let me shift to our men because you knew. We weren't going to let you go in this. There have been many a men that have been called into ministry and they have been not able to fulfill what God has for them because they couldn't control and handle their own households. They had a wife that was more ambitious than they and decided to kind of steer from a a marionette puppetry kind of point of view. Uh, Men, right now, I'm calling you to an awareness of what's going on. If you cannot pastor first in your own home, you will never have an opportunity. Uh, Let me say it this way. You should never have an opportunity to minister anywhere else. You must pastor your own home. I am pastoring my daughters in a way that their future husbands are going to thank me one day. Actually, they're probably not because they're not even going to know what's not there.
1: Good
2: word.
0: Because it's going to get removed in such a way that it won't even be apparent to them. They're just like, I have the most wonderful wife in the world. And I'll be thinking, (laughs) yeah, you do.
1: (laughs) What we have to fix later is that let him know they're not born this way, big guy. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Because I've been working at this on your behalf for the last 20 years. Come on now, are are you working? Guys, we know that this is a church that is full of people who want to do the will of the Lord. And if we don't allow the word to be the mirror of what our heart is, we're going to go around with ulterior motives all over the place. And actually, you're going to get frustrated with the male leadership in your life because you're going to be like, you know what? Yeah, Pastor Matt brought up the. I just was trying to help. Uh, I have also heard or read books about. Read books. I've read books about this. Never <laughs> hear with anyone here in this place. They say, Pastor, you just don't understand. I, I don't understand.
1: Amen, Tamika. Thank you for raising that hand. (laughs) What is there to
0: understand about the Word if God says this and this is our choice as a family? Yeah, but see, you don't understand because if we do this, we might not have enough for us. Wow. Wow. There's a self-preservation that's there in all of us, men and women. You're either going to be self-sacrificing and find the will of the Lord or you're going to be self-preserving and attribute to yourself motives that aren't actually there. Come on now. Ulterior motives. Everybody say ulterior motives. Ulterior, ulterior motives. motives. Why is this important? Why? Because women have what? We have heart-turning superpowers. Come on, say it with me. Heart-turning superpowers. So if you're not aware of what's in your heart, you know what's going to happen? Your efforts are going to turn your husband's heart away from what the Lord is speaking to him perhaps. Perhaps from that direction, from perhaps you're going to be turning your family away from right shalom and inverting the order that God has put. Can God bless any of that? No, we know it while we're sitting here and we're presenting it to you this way, but it's different when you're in your living room. It's going to be different tomorrow night when it's just you and your family or just you and the neighbors or just you and your coworkers. Those things get different, don't they?
1: You know, I want to highlight just a quick example that everyone or every lady in this room can put into practice when you leave this service so that we can perform out there. We practice in here. Hey, right. Get it. One of the quickest ways to expose someone's heart in this matter of, I'm just trying to help, but ulterior motives is whenever you ride in a car in the passenger seat. <laughs> and here's what somebody's already laughing. They know this is what I mean. I can always tell the condition of a woman's heart, how much <laughs> advice help, They're giving while we're traveling from point A to point B. No, I'm preaching to you today. That's what I'm doing, yeah. So here's what I mean. You know, thank the Lord for Waze application on our our cell phone or Google Maps. Because that has ended debates and fights that have existed for thousands of years. What's the quickest way to get there? Here's what I mean. The wife is sitting next to the husband, and the husband begins to traverse from point A to point B, and he takes a wrong turn in her mind. She's just going to try and help it and give him advice at every turn that he that she thinks he's doing wrong. Wives, how good are you at controlling your mouth in that situation? Not very good. Hey, one honest <laughs> one, answer.
0: One godly woman amongst us. If I had a hundred dollar bill, I, man, that's that's
1: worthy of that. Okay. So, but what I mean is that this is this is a, a, a daily application, ladies, of how your relationship is with your husband. Are you mining the ore out of his confidence even in his driving? If you do it while you drive to Chick Fil A, you're surely not going to do it when you
2: try to do something for Jesus. Wow. You know, you, you know, man, we told you we wasn't going to let you off the hook, too. <laughs> But some of this, some of the decisions and uh that, that women make could very well be your own fault. It could because if we don't step up to the plate and become the husband and the, the leader that we're supposed to be, a lot of times the women try to fill in that void. It becomes a void in the family or the relationship. Yeah. But, That's wisdom. but we were here today to encourage the women instead of panicking in fear and try to fill that void to try to support and encourage your husband to step into that place. Amen.
0: Amen. Come on, as we're uncovering some motives in our own heart, making sure that there are no ulterior motives, let's turn to Esther, chapter 1. Anybody had any of these this week that you've had to deal with? The Lord started revealing things in your own heart this week that you're like... Dang it, I thought I had that already done. And Lord said, yeah, no, you didn't. Cause he's faithful to us. He's not going to let us have ulterior motives in this place. It's not acceptable. It doesn't meet His standard and we all have them and we've got to rid ourselves of them. In Esther chapter one, check this out. <coughs> we're going to start off with an unusual. I know you're thinking we're going to head to Esther. We're not going to quite head to Esther just yet. Let's talk about Vashti. Oh, interesting. Let's look in verse 10. It says this, Esther chapter 1 and verse 10. On the seventh day, when King Xerxes was in high spirits from wine, he commanded the seven eunuchs who served him, verse 11, to bring bring before him Queen Vashti. If you would like to know why I skipped all seven of those names, you need to talk to Nick. Regina he will explain the meanings of each of the seven names in excruciating detail
1: good stuff.
0: Reserve <laughs> there's probably an age limit on those of you who, who can ask that. but the point is is King Xerxes sent a group of eunuchs to bring back and to bring before him Queen Vashti wearing her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people, and the nobles, what was she wearing a royal crown. to display her beauty, for she was lovely to look at. Oh, how pretty, how nice. She had an external beauty. But when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. Mm. Then the king, the king became furious. Uh, can I just encourage you that the di- denying the call of a king is always a dangerous proposition? I mean, it's easy to see with the King Xerxes, who, by the way, was ruling from somewhere around India to somewhere around Ethiopia. That's, that's a little bit of uh, of square footage there. That's a little bit of landmass that he was covering. Man, it's it's an amazing thing when we can only have beauty on the outside, but nothing on the inside. I think it's Proverbs eleven twenty two, somewhere close to there, that says something like, that, like a gold ring in a pig's snout, is a beautiful woman without discretion. Come on now, we've all been there, haven't you? You've noticed someone that's a beautiful lady until they start opening their mouth and you realize how wretched they are? Am I the only one?
1: No.
0: You're like, wow, that's, oh, no. I am vehemently against certain movie stars because of that. I'm like, yeah, I can see why you would think they're attractive. Ooh, like a gold, like a gold ring in a pig's snout. Let's look at verse 16 here in this passage. Then Memukon replied in the presence of the king and all the nobles, Queen Vashti has done wrong. Not only against the king, but against all the nobles and all the peoples of the province of King Xerxes. For the queen's conduct will become known to all the women. And so they will despise their husbands and say, King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, but she would not come before him. This very day, the Persian and Median women of the nobility who have heard about the queen's conduct will respond to all the king's nobles in the same way. There will be no end of the disrespect and discord. Now, let's just let's just be honest. If you were reading this for the first time, pretend like you didn't know the story yet. I'm going to tell you, if you're more feminist than feminine, you hate the way that that sounds. You think that they're trying to, man, you've got to squelch that, right? Because everybody else is going to start acting like that. If you've got a godly femininity, you know what you hear in this? Wow. If the Lord has designed me to be the queen of a kingdom, my actions go much further than what I think. Wow. You mean... I could cause disrespect and discord by what's going on. I, By my own actions, by my own words, by my refusal to do something, could be something that causes discord and disrespect to be sown. Wow. And the attitude and behavior of those who are designed to be queens always impacts more people. You want to get treated like a princess, right? Girls grow up wanting to be princess-like. Yeah, as, as you're stepping into that as a, as a mature woman, you know what that looks like? It means your words and your actions matter. It means that your attitudes matter. And people can see your attitudes much more than you think they can. Isn't that interesting? We look at someone else and we can quickly assess what their motive is, right? But we don't think people can do the same to us. You're like, oh, that person. What's wrong with them? What's wrong with him? Yeah, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with us in this Every time that we have an act of disrespect or discord, it's designed to tear down shalom in our homes. It's designed to tear down the leader. It's designed to to break down the structural integrity of your household. Doesn't Ephesians 5 help us women? It gives us very clear parameters. Two things that Ephesians 5 gives you that you will be judged. The standard that you will be measured against. You are supposed to do two things. Respect your husband and submit to his authority. It's getting kind of quiet in here, right? Mm -hmm. It's because we all know this. We're clear on this, right? Come on. Anybody ever had an act of disrespect towards what your husband's asked you to do because you thought he just didn't get it? Because you thought he was missing the point? Tamika, don't hurt your arm now. (laughs) Tamika almost threw her arm right out of the socket just then. It's because she's real. Ephesians 5 gives us these things, these superpowers that you actually have. The world wants to make them weaknesses. The world wants to make them something wrong and wretched. But they are actually power that the Lord has given you. They are heart-turning superpowers that God has given you. He's given it to you. Yes, the man is the head. That's clear throughout scripture. But he has given you a way to join with someone and be a part of a powerful team that can impact the globe. You can either reject what the Word of God has to say and show that you have disrespect and discord in your heart, or you can fully submit to what the Lord is doing and watch Him work in a mighty way. Now, the Bible doesn't say why Queen Vashti didn't go. But if you put up verse 9 on the screen, I'm going I'm to suppose a few things here. Queen Vashti also had a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. While King Xerxes had a party, what, what? Queen Vashti also was throwing a party. Oh, what, what? They had two parties going on. I mean, he got to do a party, so surely I should get to do a party, right? You know, it's an incredible thing. Having competing agendas between husbands and wives. I want to do this. Yeah, but I want to do this. How are we supposed to settle these things? Because we have to be very careful lest we start having disrespect and discord. When you have your own agenda, isn't this true for, for, for Christianity? Let's take it away from a husband and wife for a second. Isn't this true? If God has something he wants you to do and we have our own agenda, it creates problems. Right? Because it's what? Sin. It's idolatry of our own will, of our own emotions, of our own thoughts. How is it not the exact same in a husband and wife relationship, for those of you who aren't married, you know what you know what you should be hearing here. Wow, I better learn to only have the ambition, the agenda of what my King wants for me. Amen. That's what you should be hearing here. Uh, let's turn to Genesis chapter sixteen. We want to start making a turn here. Elder Charlie.
2: Yeah. Amen. Well, and we're going to make this, this turn a little slower. Sir. Yes, sir. You do that. He's an <laughs> elder. He gets to do those kind sort of things. <laughs> uh, Sarah's Abraham's wife. She knew she had a calling. She knew she, she was called to have a, a child. You see where she left about it. Different yeah. Kind of, but but <clears throat> So what she tried to do was take things into her own hands. And we can see that in Genesis 16.1. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had uh, borne him no child, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. And, and so she said to Abraham, Lord, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant and perhaps... I can build, I, that word I right there Mm -hmm. is significant. I can build a family through her. Now, not only was she a problem, okay, but Abraham said yes. Yes. All right. So if if we have a situation in our life, I'm talking about a man and his wife, and your wife comes to you with uh, an alternative, okay, shouldn't we weigh this thing before we just jump into it and say yes? yes. All right? But now it was out of fear that Sarah moved to this, to proceed to this, this uh, agenda. You know, <clears throat> that perhaps I can build a house. She had a preconceived idea that she would need to build her house. Uh, she took this thing into her own hands, you know. When God tells you to do something, that uh, that He's going to do something through you. Too close to this know you good. That He's going to do something through you. It doesn't mean for you to pick it up, right? Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> if we look at this, she quickly realized the consequences of her decision. But you know, often in our life, well, we're going way too long before we realize that that hey, that wasn't the right choice, you know, because this is a choice that affects for generations and generations to come. Um, as a matter of fact, Israel's still dealing with the decision today. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> So when we make decisions outside of God's will there are always consequences.
0: Yeah, always.
2: But we need we need to to deal with them in in prayer and together with our spouse. Now we have to be careful that when we take things into our own hands and expecting God to bless it is it God's will or is it our will? And how can he bless something that's not in his, in his will? Yeah. Genesis sixteen five. Uh, then Sarah said to Abraham, You are responsible. You are responsible for the wrong that I'm suffering. <laughs> I, put my maid, I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, that she despises me. Uh, may the Lord judge between you and me. Yeah. Now, we're going to start making uh, our turn right here, but... We need to own up to our own decisions and our own mistakes. Yeah. Now, granted, I, I feel that Abraham did make a mistake because he answered her so quickly. <laughs> but it was her decision in the first place, right? Yeah. <clears throat> So, 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 ladies and, and men, we need to own up to our own consequences. That we, But before we get down on Sarah too hard, we can, we can look ahead in uh, Genesis 17, verse 15. <clears throat> so God said to Abraham, As for your wife, as Sarah your wife, you are no longer call her Sarah. Her name will be called Sarah. The ah that they added is the breath of God. They added to her name. Amen. She become a, a new person. Because now she had and turned her heart for God and his way. Well she tried it on You know I've been there done that kind of thing. She, It didn't work her. So now she's in the will of God. And I will bless her and surely give you the son by her. Right. And I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations, the kings of peoples who will come from her. Amen. So the turn is that through her obedience he was able to use that to um, fulfill the will, the will of God
0: and turn from her decisions, uh, worldly
2: decisions that she made.
0: Amen. Give her a great blessing. While we're talking about Sarah, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. What an amazing thing. Her name change was indicative of the Spirit of God coming into her. It added the hey, the revelation from the heavens that begins to change things about us. We've, we've offered you some negative examples. We, we, we want to encourage you and finish our time with you offering you positive examples of women who did it rightly. Of things that we can learn about how to do it the right way. In First Peter 3, this is a right way, if there is a right way to do it. Chapter 3, verse 1. Say there when you're there. Wives. Everybody say wives. In the same way, be submissive to your husbands. So that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words. Somebody say without words. Without words. By the behavior of their wives. Come on now. That's a heart turning superpower, isn't it? (laughs) That is a heart turning Turning superpower. superpower right there. If your husband, there are women in this place whose husbands are unsaved. You know how you can get them saved? How about you read 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. If you do it the way that the Word of God instructs us, (laughs) God's given you a superpower. He's given you a power that if you got saved after you were together, because we wouldn't marry an unsaved person, knowingly, because that's not God's plan. But if you got saved and you're waiting on your husband to get saved, women who are in here who are waiting on that, let me encourage you. God's given you the power to be able to do that. Amen. What's the next thought that should come from this? If a wife can cause a husband to become a believer without using words. Now there's the thing, right? Isn't that the difficult part? Isn't that part of the ulterior motives that we have to work through women? Because if you don't say it, you don't believe that it's going to get done. Like I'm only trying to help. I'm only trying to get it out so that the fear that's inside of me that's overwhelming me won't overwhelm me anymore. Well, actually it will. You just feel better because you said it out loud. Yeah. If salvation can be wrought without words. How much more. For you women. Who have a godly husband. Can you help them. With or without words. That's better than you're reacting. It's okay.
2: <laughs>
0: Come on, that, 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 is, that is really a point that we have to take. If salvation can be wrought. Ladies. Let's allow God to be at work in our families here. Don't replace the Holy Spirit in your husband's life. Encourage him. Help him. Support him. Follow him. Because you know that you have that power. You have to use it very, very, very wisely. Especially as a a man is growing in his leadership, as he is learning how to do this rightly, you have to be even more careful. You know why? Why? Because you can easily pull him off something and the Lord may have actually spoken. It may be the answer that you want. And you pull him away. You know what we can do? We can trust that the word of the Lord is right. What, how, how can they? we be won over without words? When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come for an outward adornment such as braided hair or the wearing of gold jewelry or even like Vashti, a gold crown. And fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self. Now, I'm uh, I'm at an advantage over everyone else in this room because I actually married the most beautiful woman in the room. So, in our household, this is this is easy. But for all of you, (laughs) what makes someone beautiful? It should be the inner self. Amen. Isn't your wife, come on, fellas, let's be true. Isn't she at her most beautiful when she's being the most godly? God, don't you want to do anything for her? Wouldn't you run through a wall? Wouldn't you go anywhere in the world? Wouldn't, wouldn't you scale any mountain and, and traverse any ocean? Of course you would. When she is a queen who's making you feel like a king, oh my goodness. Come on now. Amen. Come on now. It should be the beauty that we're looking for in this church is of the inner self. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Does that mean I can't say anything? No, because you can be not saying a word and not have a gentle and quiet spirit at all. Yeah, true. You could be anything but gentle and have turmoil on the inside of you like a crazy person. Because if you've been at this church long enough... The wives know that they should at least be quiet in certain places. They're like, oh, if we weren't here at this kind of church, I would have already said 42 things to you. But because I'm being godly, I am at least going to close my trap. Because it's a trap. See what I did there? See what? Okay. You're going to close that scandal on before it gets you out of trouble. Come on now. Mm, Feeling it. Come on. But you might not have a gentle and quiet spirit. Hey, I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to let you know we all have. Do you, do you know why we're laughing at some of these things? Do you know why we're all nodding? Because it happens all the time with most people. What we're trying to do is strengthen, the Lord is strengthening our church. He's talking to the men and saying, You better lead right. Whether your wife has a gentle and quiet spirit or not does not excuse you from being the right kind of man in your home. And any man who thinks that it does, then you're just a weak coward and you need to come around and get stronger. Ladies, neither can you just close your mouth and think that you've achieved the gentle and quiet spirit. You know what a gentle and quiet spirit says? (laughs) I know he's the head, but I too have a superpower. I want to use this rightly so that we're going exactly the way the Lord wants us to go. Because if we do that, then everything will work out right in my family. I don't have to worry about provision. I don't have to worry about destination. I don't have to (laughs) worry about direction. I don't have to worry about mistakes that have been made in the past. I can trust that the Lord will work this out. (sighs) Can you feel that gentleness and quietness coming over you? You I will speak to the ladies
1: real quick on this point. Around the world, women's hearts seek to be beautiful. And one thing that you constantly fight is a self-image that you're not. And that is fear that beauty is going to fade. What is clear from this scripture and many, many others is that there is an unfading beauty that you have access to. You know, we are saturated with advertisements. That promote products that try to achieve the same thing that a gentle and quiet spirit could do alone.
0: Yeah. You don't have to worry about gray hair. You don't have to worry about wrinkles. You don't have to worry about laugh lines or stretch marks. Because what we have here is true beauty.
1: Yeah.
0: It's true. Amen. Man. Man. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. Remember last week when we were talking about building a house for the Lord, but He's really building it for you? Adding on and letting the Lord scrape the the stone so that you won't get scrapped? That He's got to scrape this process? You know why? Because the house that we're building is the same one that Abraham needs to be able to inhabit. This goes all the way back and this is what this is saying directly to our women today. They were submissive to their own husbands. Thank you for clarifying. Like like Sarah. Oh, come on now. Who had the inspiration of the Spirit in her heart. Who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. That sounds like such a sexist thing, but it is the right and the righteousness of God. She trusted that He would lead her well. You got all focused on a title and you got all offended. The truth is, is... don't you want a man that'll lead you well? Amen. Don't you want a man who's strong? Yes. When a man in this church starts getting stronger in his leadership, you know what happens? The women start to resent it a little bit because they've been the ones leading in the home. don't Like the idea that they're no longer the ones that are leading, but then they're going, "Golly, that is uh, that is an attractive quality that he's starting to lead." I mean, I really want him to lead. Uh, ulterior motives. Yeah. Come on, let's let's have some beautiful women in this place. Come on. Amen. Like Sarah who obeyed obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Come on. We can put those motives down and you become just like one of Sarah's daughters.
1: You know, I like it whenever the Lord, through His words, simplifies things. Makes them very plain, right? So we covered in Ephesians 5 about the, the responsibilities that a wife has is to submit and respect her husband. You ever read the husband's responsibilities? A lot more. There's anywhere from 13 to 15 responsibilities that we have. There's a great one. And here I see the same thing in 1 Peter 3. That, ladies, you can be on the same par level as Sarah if you just accomplish two things. Do what is right and don't give way to fear. You know, last week's message... We spoke about raising up adults, not children.
0: Yeah.
1: And that we are raising up young men to be kings. Well, I want to focus now on building on this point ending in First Peter 3 about how to raise up daughters. Let's go to Numbers 27, start in verse 1. Amen. Say, there when you're there. There. <clears throat> because with our daughters, I have four beautiful daughters. <coughs> with our daughters... I don't want to just raise women. I don't want to just raise competent women. I want to raise up women of God that are on the same par as Sarah. Amen. And here's the next point. That they are worthy to be given to a king. Amen. I want to raise daughters that are worthy to be called a queen and thereby given to a king.
2: Amen. Amen.
1: Let's look at the attribute of Zelophehad's daughters. The daughters of Silophahad, son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, belonged to the clans of Manasseh, son of Joseph. The names of the daughters were all these. They approached to, <laughs> they approached the entrance to the meeting, the tenant meeting. And here's the key. Stood before Moses. Everybody say Moses. 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 No, Eleazar. Eleazar. The leaders. The leaders. The whole assembly.
0: The whole assembly.
1: You know, they didn't have stage fright. And when they stood before these groups of people and said, they said, our father died in the desert. He was not among Korah's followers who banded together against the Lord. But he died for his own sin and left no sons. Why should our father's name disappear from his clan? Because he had no son. Give us property among our father's relatives. Saints, whose heart did these young women turn? Moses, Eleazar, the priest, the whole assembly, and here's the most important part: even God Himself. Wow. Amen. They use their heart-turning superpower. Heart-turning superpower. There you go. Thank you, Elder Charlie. Yeah, come, come on, on me today. Got it. Woo! They use that superpower to provide an inheritance for their father's name and therefore the future generations. Come on, Come on ladies. You are, you are powerful. It's not a matter of becoming powerful. You are powerful. The difference is, are you using that power for righteousness or are you using that power for wickedness? There's only one of the two categories that can exist. You now, When it comes to a father's name, and I, I personally... Uh, uh, relate to this is that Philip is mentioned in the newer Testament and there's a certain attribute that he has that glorifies who Philip was and that he had not only four daughters like I do, but he had four daughters who prophesied that his prophetic daughter or his daughters possessed a prophetic heart turning superpower that brought glory to their father's name. Amen. Amen. You know what I want for my four girls? I want them to bring glory to my name by their heart-turning superpower of obeying the living God.
0: Amen. Come on. Another great example is Abigail. Don't we all love Abigail? If you've been here at any time, we've used Abigail in many, many different sermon illustrations. In First Samuel 25, turn there. First Samuel chapter 25, we're going to start in verse 23. I just want to hit a few highlights of this because you're so familiar as a church with this story. David's been disrespected by Nabal. He's come forward. He is ready to put the sword. He is ready to take people to task. He is already determined that this is the way, this is the direction. Come on, boys, strap on your swords. Let's go get this guy. There's not going to be a man in his household that is going to be alive by morning. Let's roll. Come on, let's look at how Abigail used her heart-turning superpower for good. 1 Samuel 25, verse 23. Are you there? There. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. (coughs) Yeah, y'all all heard it too, didn't you? Something about quickly getting off your donkey and bowing down before King David. She fell at his feet. My Lord, let the blame be on me alone. Please let your servant speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. May my Lord pay no attention to that wicked man Nabal. He is just like his name. He is a fool and folly goes with him. But as for me, your servant, I did not see the men, my master sent. We use Abigail as as an epitome of righteous and holy and spiritual action in your life, don't we? If you've been through marriage teaching, you know that we have an Abigail, and Nabel card that should be on you, that should be in your pocket. Come on, Peyton, raise it up. Got it with him. That you look at your own Nabal traits, and you say, man, this is who I am without the Spirit of God. These are my weaknesses. Oh, Lord, but look what you've given me in my wife. Look what you've given me in my spouse. This is beautiful. You know what we're supposed to do? We use Abigail as such a model that even the men in this room have Abigail traits. Wow. I guess if we're brides, then we can also have traits like Abigail, and you can be sons, and we'll just work all this out, Right? Why? Her service, her humility, her attitude, her heart. She quickly leapt into action, taking wrong that wasn't particularly hers. But she decided that the right thing to do was to lay down at the feet, was to bow at the feet of this king and say, with the right attitude and try to make things right. Look at verse thirty two. David said to Abigail, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment. Come on now. And for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself in my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to me, sometimes the speed with which you respond is, in fact, important. Ladies. You can't, you can't decide that you'll work, at, work it out for a few hours or a few days until you do what you know to do is right. If your emotions or if your thoughts or if your mind or whatever it is that causes you to delay, you know what's right and there's a pause in what you do because you're trying to get all your stuff together. When you know to do right and you're not doing it, it's producing sin in your life we yield to righteous actions immediately and we let everything else catch up. We let our thoughts catch up. We let our our heart catch up. We let whatever else catch up, but we do what is right immediately. You know who we learned this from? Abigail. If you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive at daybreak. You know what Abigail did? Her heart-turning superpower turned the heart of King David. You know what your Abigail-like traits will do, it'll turn the heart of whoever's heart needs to be turned. It'll allow the Lord to begin to work on your behalf as you do this.
2: Um, but I want to talk about some some of the other women that's in the Bible. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on them, but they're mighty women, women and they had this heart-turning uh, superpower. <laughs> the Shunammite woman. It, you know, we... We don't know anything hardly about her husband, except he was old. <coughs> Excuse me. I keep going back there. I don't know why. Not that old stuff. But she was a well-to-do, the Bible says. She was a well-to-do person. And that means she definitely wasn't poor, okay? So she was in a place, actually, where a lot of well-to-do or rich, wealthy people today are. They think that they don't that they don't even need God. And she was at that same place, but she didn't she didn't say that at all. As a matter of fact, she recognized the man of God. And she invited him into her home. And she became familiar with God and the things of God. And when he when he asked her, What does what does she want? She said she didn't want anything. But then his servant says that. She doesn't have a son. And her husband is old. This shows something. When your heart is right. God knows the desire of your heart. God knows the things that you want. Even before you ask. When you ask a righteous thing. And you do a righteous act. Like she did. And through this righteous act. Of making room for God. In her life and in her home. And bringing into her family when the famine came and they had to leave when she returned because of her testimony that she had the king gave her restored everything that, that she lost when she was gone come on man but had she had not given the man of God any attention as a lot of rich people do money gets in the way when if she would have returned from that she would have had no not a chance of receiving anything from the king. Wow. Because she had that. Come on, everybody. That heart turning superpower. Lydia. Lydia is another one. In uh, in Acts 16, let's say verse 14. One of those who was listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer of purple cloth in the city of Tartaria, who was. A worshiper of God, yeah. and that—that's a good thing to be accused of. <laughs> All right, a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart, and she responded to Paul's message. But through that, she was able to turn her whole household to the Lord. Come on, and that's a what? That's a heart-turning, heart-turning superpower. <laughs> now, the woman at the well. Now, this is a kind of unique situation because. Jesus wasn't supposed to be talking to her in the first place, all right? <laughs> so it's an example of, it's, it's, it's an example of God no respect to a person, right? And it also shows us that he, he doesn't care about your story, all right? Where you came from, what you've been through. And, and all this as a matter of fact he already knew that he told her that and then but but this is the response that she gave in uh, chapter 4 in John 4 uh, verse 39 many Samaritans from that town believed in him because the, of the woman's testimony he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritan came to him, they urged him to stay with them a few more days. And uh, he was able to turn the the whole town, uh, a lot of people in the city, to the
0: Lord. Amen. Now that is That's a, a heart heart-turning turning superpower. superpower,
2: all right? Now, there's many, there's many others. There's Ruth, there's Rahab, there's uh, uh, Deborah, Rebecca, Rachel, Manoah's wife, uh, Lois and Eunice, Timothy's uh, mother and grandmother, and Priscilla. And I don't want to just skip over Priscilla. <laughs> Priscilla and Aquila. If you are a couple, and here, you may be a married couple, and I want to encourage you to to read and to seek out the acts of Priscilla and Aquila, the accounts in the Bible, yeah. and they were they really help Paul because this is a, this is the thing that and I'm trying to point out here is that their relationship as husband and wife, a team for God. You might not be called to the fivefold ministry, but your ministry is, is called to be, <clears throat> not to be less than Priscilla and Aquila. Yes. Amen?
0: Amen.
1: I'll say that's a good word. <laughs>
0: that's a good word.
1: word. Let's go to Esther chapter 2. <clears throat> you know, we talked about Queen Vashti earlier as an example of misusing the heart-turning superpower. When we begin to look at Esther's life, she couldn't be any better of an example of rightly using heart-turning superpower. So let's pick up in verse 17 of chapter 2. There. Is that right there?
0: Yes. There
1: we go. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any of the other women. Ladies would... Would you like to be in that category if you were single? Yes. And she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. <laughs> so he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. You know, contrast that to what we read earlier with Vashti. Vashti put a crown upon her own head. But ladies, you are able to have the king of kings amen, put a crown amen. upon your head. Come on. And the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his nobles and officials. In addition to being crowned by the king, you will not have to throw yourself your own banquet. He throws a banquet in your honor and attaches your name to it.
0: Come on. come on, That's awesome.
1: Come on. When you're acting like a righteous queen, your king wants to show you
2: off. Oh, yeah. You bring him glory. Hey. And you don't have to be drunk like it were. Talking. Exactly. You don't have to be drunk. <laughs> you know, Paul makes it very clear
1: in Corinthians. I think it's 2 Corinthians 11 that a woman is a man's glory. That's true. We think that that chapter is about, you know, propriety of worship and long hair and short hair. What it's really about is that man is the is in the image of God and brings God glory. And woman who she came from man is designed to bring man glory. Amen. Guys, do you want a trophy wife? Yes. We want a holy ghost righteous trophy wife. We want one that <laughs> our king has put a crown upon yeah. and that when a banquet is hosted in her name, it's showing off the work of God inside of our brides. Amen. We are responsible for developing this queen that we attach to. Amen. Now, it, just, it wasn't because of her external beauty only. Here's how she did it, ladies. She mastered the art of inner beauty. Yeah. Amen. If there's a, a daily war that you have to engage and a goal to shoot for, that war is the waging of your fear of never being beautiful. The self-image that you're never beautiful. And the goal to achieve is to master the inner beauty because it's unfading. And it's worth more than gold and silver. You know, she had Esther had a disposition, a character, a constitution that was submissive it was trusting it was quiet etc you know in verse 18 we see that it's it's where the problem all began for vashti having an own agenda that ladies when you fully submit your life to the king of kings he will cause things to work out for you rightly amen I think every little girl and older woman's heart desires to be provided for and desires to be protected and desires to be admired as beautiful. In fact Proverbs 12:4 says a wife of noble character is her husband's crown. Okay. But here's the opposite of that. But a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. Remember we studied earlier about manipulation? It's the digging out of the ore. You're removing that iron from his soul. But if you're a wife of noble character, you will be his crown. Amen. Yeah. Let's go back to Esther chapter 4, verse 12. As we're going through these, I want everyone to get the, the, the picture of what we're shooting for here. It's not that God's desire, God does not desire a Jezebel. He does not desire a Vashti. He doesn't desire what Sarai was before she had the revelation. The goal that we're shooting for is that women, that you display the same characteristics as Esther did. And through you, not only are you able to bring your husband glory, But at even the risk of your own life, you could save an entire nation. Amen. Amen. That a woman saved the entire nation of Israel in this regard. That's something to be honored. And you possess that same heart-turning superpower. Amen. In Esther 4, verse 12, when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal pre- position for such a time as this? That there is a time, and like Judah was saying before service began, that we perform out there what we practice in here. That there is a time set for you ladies. To walk in that royal position that Jesus has ordained for you. (coughs) That there are moments throughout every day when he is looking to use your heart turning superpower for the kingdom of God. Let's go to verse 15. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Come on. This boldness, this bravery, is established because of the relationship that you have with the king. It's that confidence in knowing that you have that heart-turning superpower.
0: There's something incredibly Beautiful. There's something incredibly powerful about being truly self sacrificing. It is one of the most noble characteristics that, that we can value as a human being is not self preservation, yeah. yeah. but it's self sacrifice. In the kingdom, come on, guys, this is exactly what the Lord spoke to us on Wednesday night with Buddy's message. This is exactly what He's been speaking to us that we must die to ourselves, we must be self sacrificing. If I perish, I perish. If we don't get what we need, we just don't get it because we're going to do it the right way, but we can trust in the Lord.
1: Let's go to chapter 5. Let's start verse 3. Let's see how she interacts with the king when she's there, risking her own life. Then the king asked, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given to you. Was she loved by the king? Was she admired and treasured by the king? Yes. Yes. Immensely. If it pleases the king, replied Esther, let the king together with Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. You know, in this, she is playing the slow game when danger is intimate. She displays wisdom. She displays trust. She displays her superpower in turning hearts. And how did she do it? With a gentle and quiet spirit and through servanthood. Hey, all I want to say, just you and Haman, come over. I'm going to fix you all some sandwiches. I'm going to make some drinks. We'll sit down and have a little chat. That's all I want. Is just a piece of your time. And by doing so, she still honored the kingly position in her life. In doing so, she displayed wisdom. She displayed an immense trust for God at the risk of her own life. And then she found an audience with the king.
0: Amen. That's
1: good. Ladies, do you want an audience with the king? Yeah. Do you want God to hear your request? Or are you going to use your own strength to twist and manipulate in order to get what you think should be done accomplished?
0: Come on. Let's trust the king.
1: Guys, I want to touch on your heart, because what we're talking about is now a relationship with a king. In your relationship with the king of kings, do you do the same thing that Vashti does? Do you do the same thing that Jezebel does? Do you look for ways to position an argument, a case, or a justification that will then have to force Jesus to accept your request? Or do you say, Lord, if I perish, I perish. May your will be done and not my own. Amen. Amen. And that, Lord, all I want to do is serve you. All I want to do is have a moment of your time and an audience with you, my king. Let's see how this plays out in verse 7 of chapter 5. Esther replied, My petition and my request is this. If the king regards me with favor, if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come tomorrow to the banquet I'll prepare for them. Then I will answer the king's question. Chapter 7, verse 1. So the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther. And as they were drinking wine on that second day, the king again asked, Queen Esther, what is your petition? It will be given to you. What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, O king, and if it pleases your majesty, grant me my life. Yeah, This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. You know what the, the greatest difference between Jezebel and Esther is? Jezebel sought out through means of selfish ambition and manipulation to preserve her own life and to preserve her own people. Esther did just the opposite. At the risk of her own life, she sought out to preserve
0: God's people. Amen. So as we close here today, can you leave that scripture on the the screen there, Joy? You see that last part? If it pleases Your Majesty, grant me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. Come on, ladies. What is your petition today? What is your request of the Lord today in this place? It's interesting. She starts off and she's been incredibly self-sacrificing. It sounds almost counterintuitive to say, Now, now that I've got your attention, my first petition is that my life would be saved. You know what I think she's doing here? For our purposes today, it's what about your heart needs to change. Your petition today needs to make sure that you have no ulterior motives. That you have nothing else that's working inside of you. That you don't have fears that are afoot. That what you're doing is trusting in the Lord in every way. That you're being self-sacrificing and not self-preserving. Man, what a queen-like behavior. And this is my petition. This is my request. The request has to be for the heart of your family. The request has to be for the rest of what God is doing in your life. Would you stand with me today?